0: Okay, today, if you got a Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 5, all right? Matthew chapter 5 are are the Beatitudes. And we've been in this series, and today is a a powerful thought. And y'all know when I say that. I'm not saying because I'm doing it. It's because it's part of what Jesus is getting across. And um, it is is a powerful thought. We've We've done something similar to this before. Today's title is Making Things Right. And obviously today has to do with forgiveness. And I spent the first part of this year, January and part of February, and we did a four, three, four, five-week series on forgiveness the whole time because forgiveness is so multifaceted. And so it's, it's God's forgiveness for you. It's your forgiveness for those who have wronged you. It's you seeking others, right? Uh, it's forgiveness who you've wronged. It's learning to forgive yourself. Right? Every time I do a series or anything on forgiveness, when I talk about that, people come up to me and say, you know, Jeff, my problem is not uh, forgiving others. He says, they say, my great problem is forgiving myself. Everybody's different, but hear me, it is just as wrong not to forgive yourself as it is not to forgive others. You know, it seems a little more noble to not forgive you, but I'm here to tell you that God requires you to forgive those that he has forgiven. And that includes you. But today is not going to be that. It's going to, I want to, I want you, this is not just a continuance in this. This is because it came in the Beatitudes and it's part of this thought of, of the strength to overcome, right? Let me give you just a little bit of a of a, of, a, of a background of where we've been because my hope is you'll go back online and you'll listen to some of these because this is the path to freedom, living free, not being free. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, you already are free, whether you've learned to live that way or not. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about becoming free. We're talking about living free, which is what he wants for you. Come unto me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest, Jesus says. That is peace. Peace in here comfort in here and all that goes with it. So we have that's what I, I have a passion for people who are believers uh, to learn to live in that. Because I don't think there's any greater testimony to this world than someone who has the strength to rise above all of the junk in our culture that seems to get their hooks into everybody. I don't know. It's an amazing thing to me. But you'll see that when we talk about it today. So let me kind of walk you through where we've been. The strength to overcome is steps that Jesus talked about. And they called them the Beatitudes. They're found in Matthew chapter 5. And the first one that we did was blessed are the poor in spirit. Now remember that all of us, the Bible teaches, not what the world around us teaches, but the Bible teaches that all of us are sinners, right? All of us are sinners. And that, and that there's a, it's a great gift to be able to see that in yourself. It's easy to see it in others, right? But can you see it in yourself? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is bankrupt in and of who they are. So one of the great gifts, a painful gift, but one of the great gifts is for God to open your eyes and let you see yourself, your own bankruptcy. Because what that does is until you can see yourself, it'll never drive you to him to find the strength to overcome right? So we talked about that the first week. Blessed are those who mourn. That was the second week. That's a picture of an attitude as much as it is anything. You know, you see your own sin, okay? And you see the needs that you have for someone to give me the strength to overcome it, or to have it be forgiven, and other things like that Makes sense, and there's something about a brokenhearted person. There's something about someone who has a repentant attitude just sets a great tone for the, for the, next, for the next steps of the Beatitudes, right? And he goes on to, uh, to talk about blessed are the meek. The meek, we talked about this, the meek are those who turn, turn my life in will and control over to, over to his care. Meek was, is used often for a horse a horse who is an incredibly powerful animal. Remember meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power or strength under control. Strength out of control doesn't do anybody any good. In fact, it can be highly destructive, but strength under control can do incredible things. So when you take, think of a horse that has been meeked, doesn't mean it's lost any of its power. It's just given control to the rider. All right, so when a, when a horse is under control or given the control to the rider, which is a perfect picture of what Jesus is talking about, when he says, take my yoke on you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So what happens is, is that as believers, we come to the point in time in our life where we turn our life in, and, and control of our life and will over to his care. Their Lord, you know, Jesus take the wheel kind of thing, although that was pretty cheesy, but it it's, it's the modern-day version. Does that make sense? It's like, God, the reins are yours. I'm no longer in control. I'm your control. Right? So then I'm going to give it to you. That's what blessed are the meek means. Now, the next one is blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who say, Lord, I don't want these things to control me anymore. Right? I don't want these things to control me anymore. Some of you say, well, nothing controls me. Just wait a minute, we'll get there, all right? But basically, pure in heart is the one that, as a believer, David prayed it in Psalm 139. He said, and I just love it, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. So those who are following him have a desire to become more like him. Therefore, as he works in your life, as you grow in him, you should, those things in your life should have less and less control over you, right? I don't know, I find that, I find that incredible, that pure and hard thought. Well, last week, I think really, I got a great response from last week. I think people started really catching on to what I'm doing. And last week was was hungering and thirsting after righteousness, right? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be filled, they'll be satisfied, right? Now, hunger and thirst, those are, therefore, the really thought about that is, what appetites are you creating? What are you in your life, what appetites are you creating? you know, we create appetites in our lives. And those appetites that we create, we have to keep feeding, right? The problem is, is that whatever the appetite, if it doesn't have what it takes, the need grows bigger. And before long, the need grows so big, you don't have it, it has you, right? So creating appetites, we even had a lot of fun last week, right? With with the actual hunger appetite of food, right? And food is an incredible thing, right? You know, that appetite, it's a great thing, you know? Uh, God made food to taste good for, for pleasure, for enjoyment. I mean, that is the reason it's happened. But the problem is, when it becomes to take on a too big of a role, you eat too much, then the appetite does what? It grows. Before long, it can start dictating to you. And some people say, well, I will have any trouble with that. Just wait, I'll get to yours in a minute, right? Everyone in the room struggles with this thing called appetite, whatever that appetite may be. Like I I know some people who have an appetite for wealth and money, right? And what happens is y'all know, I don't have to tell you these things, you know these things. I think I'm just sharing them in a clear way so you can put them together. But those who have an appetite for money, right? They go running after it, and the more they get, the more they, therefore the need gets bigger, and it begins to control them, they don't control it anymore. Therefore, when the stock market goes down, they blow a gasket. Why? Because they just lost some of their, you know, and they'll go into this thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Guys, I can give you a 100 of them. Because you know the appetites that we create. And then sometimes we can almost get control over one appetite, but then you just switch appetites to something else. And then whatever you begin to feed, it begins to control, right? That's everybody in the room. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who develop an appetite for doing what's right. I find that incredible. Now, righteousness here is not just doing what's right. It's being right. And obviously the only way a person is right is by putting their faith and trust in Christ. Therefore, forgiveness and all of what that means, when we put our faith and trust in him, we're made right in him, and then have a desire to live that way because that's who we are. Therefore, you're not out trying to do good, You are good because he's made you good because of what he did at the cross. But then that will find its way in creating appetites in your life. You become the appetites that you create. Some create destructive appetites. Oh, those are the ones that get the most press. You know, the alcohol, the drugs. Basically, let me just tell you what, guys. Alcohol and drugs are both the same thing. They're both just all drugs. All drugs. And when you create an appetite for it, then all of a sudden it begins to grow. Then it controls you. We understand that, especially in that, because that's well publicized. But guys, that's what Paul meant when he said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not what's best for me. And then he goes on to say, all things are lawful for me, but here we go. I will not be mastered by anything. But anytime an appetite gets out of control, it begins to dictate to you, right? What is it about, you know, I can give you a thousand of these, but the gambling one is amazing to me. Uh, there's, there's tons. There's, there's wealth, there's success, right? And you just find it to be empty because the more success you get, the more you want. And then before long, it's it just is amazing. But the gambling one's amazing to me. What is it about that? That when that gets out of control, I've just watched people throw money that their children need. But when it begins to dictate to you, it's a slippery slope. So I don't think I have to go anymore. I think you are catching on to what last week was about. But I needed you who weren't here last week, I needed you to get the feel of what we talked about last week. But this is what Christ said, I've come to set you free from. You will not be mastered by those things. If, you, if Jesus said, you take my yoke on, on you, that if, you, if I will turn my life and will over to him. Therefore, he's promised to give you the strength to overcome those things in your life that have got their hooks in you. And all of us have them or have had them. Even a believer can fall into these things. That's why the very first message in this series was, the, was Solomon. That's why we started with the book of Ecclesiastes, because that's what happened to Solomon. The wisest person who ever lived, he started having all kinds of things that got their hooks into him. Right, and he was a believer. Obviously, that can happen. So today, today we t- we we shift. We shift today to relationships. See, because you are a relational person, you were made for relationships. And there, we're going to do two beatitudes today. Right, uh, chapter five or seven is blessed are the merciful. Right. And uh, for they will receive mercy. And then verse nine is Blessed are the peacemakers, okay? For they shall be called the sons of God. Now, so we're talking about the merciful and the peacemakers. Now, today is about, like I said, is about relationships. Relationships, God made you for relationships. First of all, the relationship with him, but he made you for other relationships too. That's why it said in the garden, it's not good for a man to be alone. So it's, it's something he did not create you to be. The reason most of us isolate ourselves or get alone, and believe it or not, I don't really understand that, is because you get you get tired of being you get tired of being shot at, right? And it's just easier not to even have people in your life. But then some people, I mean, you just go from person to person to person, and then you wonder, why is that? Because you'll see, relationships, that's what you were made for. And, and the two things that are talked about here, are, number one is mercy, blessed are the merciful. What does mercy mean? Well, that goes to number one. What does merciful mean? And this is following the same pattern for every week, because number one for every week has been, what does meek mean? What does pure in heart mean? Well, today, what does merciful and peacemaker mean? If we're going to take a look at what Jesus said, let's find out what he said and why he said it. First of all, what does he mean by blessed are the merciful? What does merciful mean? Well, the word mercy, you just understand the word mercy. All right, the word mercy, first of all, you have to understand the word justice. The word justice is getting what you deserve. Now, justice can be a positive word because if you've done something correctly then you'll, you, you get what you deserve. In a justice system that is just, you get what you deserve. Now, the word mercy mean is the exact opposite of justice, believe it or not. The word mercy means not getting what you deserve. Okay. And then the word grace means getting what you don't deserve. So grace and mercy, I kind of like to say that grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin. It's the same thing. Mercy and grace are almost identical. It's just the different look on each side, right? So, so that's what mercy means. And then peacemaker here, it, it, you know, <laughs> there are two verses that politicians will quote from the Bible often. This is one of them. Because blessed are all the peacemakers, and they don't have a clue what they're saying. And what they're meaning and what they think it means is war, an absence of war. And by the way, I'm not for war, never have been. I do think it's necessary sometimes to stand up and to, and to defend the rights that you have. But war is awful. It's horrible. But that's not what this is talking about. Is blessed are the peacemakers, as you'll see in another verse I'll share, Is blessed are those who live at peace with those around them. So it has to do with relationships. In reality, it has to do with forgiveness. Okay. Peacemakers making peace, forgiving others. Because there's conflict when there's no forgiveness, and there's peace when there is. So blessed are the peacemakers, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. So in reality, these these two thoughts are forgiveness, okay? Mercy, which is basically just another thought of forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting someone loose of the debt that they owe you. It's an accounting word, and I've talked about this often. Um, as I told you before, we spent the whole month of January this year and February talking about this because it's so multifaceted. But I only want to share with you today is as, as it relates in this, in this thought of the strength to overcome. Because there's a piece here that you need to understand. Because guys, we are relational people. We're a relationship that's who we are. I mean, you go from parents to spouse, to children, which is basically all family, you know, cousins, all the rest. And then you go to friends, and you go to coworkers, and you go to neighbors. And and life is really one big relationship. And the struggle that goes with that is that in any relationship, forgiveness has to be there, or it's only a matter of time before it blows up. And if you hold people to a higher standard, then more than likely, as far as holding them to, you're going to be perfect or you're not going to be my friend kind of thing, or I'm not going to have a relationship with you, then you will be a lonely person really quick. Why? Because nobody's perfect but you. Does that make sense? Nobody's perfect but you. And so that's why why it doesn't work. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, too. So when you look, when you think about this, I've, I've just always thought that since God has made you for a relationship, then, then that's what it looks like. So let's jump on down to number two. Number one, what are those things to be? Number two means this, forgiving those who have wronged uh, me or you. Um, you know, this is where I want to start. When we think about, blessed the peacemakers, what, what is Jesus talking about? Because I don't know that there's anything that damages a person than damaged relationships that haven't been rectified or resolved, right? I love Jeremiah 6 verse 14, it says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly. That is just, just glazed over it saying peace, peace, but, but there is no peace. In other words, they haven't taken care of the problem They've just kind of glazed over it lightly and then start saying, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. If you ever forgive and it's not hard, then you're not doing it right. Does that make sense? Oh, well, I've forgiven them a long time ago. I won't ever forget. You know, I get it. I get it. Guys, this is one of my big areas. When I was a believer, when I first became a believer, it's one of the biggest areas i struggle struggled with. I mean... I didn't hold a grudge. I just got even. Does that make sense? It was just, that's the way I was raised. You know, don't take anything off anybody. There's an ugly way of saying that, but that just was what the way I was taught. And so this became a work of God in my life because God's not going to let you live like that if you're his, right? So... Let me tell you something about this. And this will will begin to ring truer the more I talk about it. It goes on to say that failed relationships can become a pattern in your life unless there's a change. Failed relationships can become a pattern in your life unless you change. Because here's the blindness that comes to this is that failed relationships, well, well, Jeff, Well, yeah, there's been a lot of failed relationships, but none of them have been, my, have been my fault. Right, right. But you don't understand, Jeff, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. But when it becomes to be a pattern, right, then you may want to take a look in the mirror because guys, the easiest person to fool is yourself, right? But if you don't forgive those in your life, then you're not going to have relationships. Let's just start with that one, okay? This is not a marriage talk today, but let's just start with that one. Let me just tell you something. If you're not prepared to forgive your spouse, then please don't get married. Please don't get married. Why? Because you're going to hurt the other one. Most of the time, not on purpose, sometimes on. Those are the harder ones. But you just, you have to, you're going to have to forgive them. If you don't, then it, there is no, why? Because they're not perfect, as I like to say, like you are. It's just, it's just one of those things. But it's not just the marital relationship, but that, to me, is one of the most important ones. But this issue translates everything, you know, into everything. So let's, let's jump on into it and reasons, reasons why, okay? Reasons why we forgive. And these become foundational for some of us, for all of us really, but for a good many of us to understand. Here's some reasons why we forgive. Number one is because God has forgiven us. Guys, that is the most important one. I want you to know this is the path to freedom, but it may not be the path that feels right at first. Believe me, I'm telling you that from experience. Walking this road doesn't feel right, or at least it didn't feel right to me until I I walked it. But it goes on to talk about, because God has forgiven us. If you truly are a believer here today, that is, there has been a time in your life that you have turned your life and will over to him, then you have experienced his forgiveness for you. And I have found that those who have truly experienced God's forgiveness for for them, they feel hypocritical when they don't forgive others. Does that make sense? It's only those who have never received God's forgiveness for them or have never truly accepted it that really have a hard time then forgiving others. But God will not allow you to live a hypocritical life by not forgiving others. He just won't let you live that way. Okay? Okay. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 31. This is classic. It says, let all bitterness and wrath... These are awful things, by the way, right? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. That is intending bad things for people. It says, be kind to each other, right? Tenderhearted. Here we go. Here we go. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So... Go back to 30, 31. So then all of these things stem from a lack of forgiveness. That's right. That's right. Bitterness and anger and envy and malice. Interesting, huh? Interesting. So how do you get rid of those things? Well, you have a pretty good thought here is that you begin to learn to, to forgive, right? Which is not always an easy thing. But when the great way to do it is realize his forgiveness for you. Right? Number two. Number two. Okay, number one is because God forgiven you. Number two is because it doesn't work. Right? It just doesn't work. Think about it. I mean, have you ever met anyone who has said, man, I just want to tell you how much my life has been enhanced by holding on to this bitterness. And we know it's bad for us. We know, you know, if anybody ever said, well, I just want you to know that my life has been fulfilled by my unforgiveness and unwillingness to forgive anyone. No, nobody is that way. But, you know, it's, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But here's the bad part about it. It feels right for some of us. Right? Dead to me. In fact, still to this day, forgiveness just seems wrong. I just know it's my own sinfulness that lives in me. But you mean just let them go scot-free? Yeah, well, until you've understood how God let you go scot-free, then you'll never see this. But this is a tough one. This is a tough one because it's not fair especially in our culture, it's all gotta be fair, right? But it's not fair and it's not ever gonna be fair. If you're looking for fair, forgiveness will never be a part of your life. In fact, you will never have a, you will never, unless you're living your own proud and arrogance, you'll never be able to accept God's forgiveness for you. Why? Because it's not fair what Christ did. The cross was not fair. But that's the whole thought of grace and mercy and all of these great things the scriptures talk about, right? It brings hope to light but unforgiveness just doesn't work. It's like what the Bible says. It tastes sweet to the taste, but it sours your stomach. In other words, it does. I mean, mean, how come there are so many good revenge movies out there, right? Because everybody loves them. (laughs) But what happens is it tastes sweet, but it sours your stomach when it gets to the bottom. It's like some food I've been eating this weekend, all right? Yeah, it's awesome until I get home, all right, try to sleep, right? All right, but I, th- I think you're getting what I'm saying. One doctor said this. This is classic. I love this. One doctor, uh, one doctor said, um, he said this. He says, it, 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 it's not so much what you eat that matters. It's what eats you that wrecks your health. Okay, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, let me set this so I don't get a letter from anybody. What you eat does matter, all right? Some of you health people and the food and, and you know, and you eat, you know, lettuce and all that. Knock yourself out. But, <laughs> and it does matter. It does affect your health. But what really wrecks you is the things that gnaw in here. It's like sand to an engine block. It's the things that keep you up. It's the things that just make you grit your teeth. It's those things that'll still years off, steal years off your life. And it's all bred and born in unforgiveness that turns to bitterness and all kinds of other ugly things that comes from it. Interesting, huh? Interesting. You know, my grandfather, um, he, was of the, he was the old redneck school in Tennessee, you know, basically. The old redneck society. I mean, God love him. I love him. And um, But, you know, he used to have these little philosophical sayings, Tennessee philosophy, and he would quote them every once in a while. And this whole thought about forgiveness doesn't work. He used to always say this. He used to say, if the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. (laughs) All right? Redneck philosophy, however you want to call it. But if the, the horse is dead, get off, because it's not going to take you anywhere. We all know unforgiveness doesn't work, right? We all know it doesn't work, and yet we still keep mounted, thinking it's going to keep taking us somewhere. Okay, it's time, to, it's time to get off, right? We understand it. We see it. Number three, it blocks the knowledge of God's forgiveness for us. You know, it really does. That, to me, is an amazing thing to think about. It blocks the knowledge that God's forgiveness has for me. You know, I think God does that on purpose, that if you refuse to forgive others, then he refuses for you to be able to understand he's forgiven you. Does that make sense? There's just something about it because it's all over the Bible. It's It's in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? So there's this, there's this thought of, he's not gonna let you live hypocritically. And I doubt, and this may be hard to hear, but I doubt there's any greater hypocrite than someone who fails to forgive others, if you're his. Yet that's hard to hear, especially from somebody like me, where that was, a clenched fist was kind of like a way of life for me. God has worked though through the years to unclench the fist, right? To unclench the fist. I don't know who I'm talking to today because it's as widely varied in this room as you can imagine. But sometimes our appetites get towards relationships. The need to be needed, the need to be loved. Before long, if we can't get it, then we'll sell ourselves short and we'll develop a need in areas to where it becomes... Too needy. Why? Because that other person is never going to have what it takes to come through for you. Right? Those of you that are getting married, there are a few of you in here. Those of you that have been married, let me tell you something. Let me take the pressure off of your partner. They do not have what it takes to come through for you, and they never will. Right? And the more of that demand you put on them, and the unforgiveness you put on them because they're not doing what you want them to do, will we'll kill that relationship and so many others. Isn't ama- that amazing? Unless you get it filled, that place filled from somewhere else, then you're free to, to let that other person be free. It's, it's amazing how it works. And again, we can do the math in our head, but it's not always easy to do. All right, number three, number three. So number two was Seeking, obviously, forgiving those who have wronged me. This one's a little harder. This one is seeking forgiveness from those I've wronged. These are all part of learning to learning to live in the freedom he already has for us. Now, this one's a little bit harder, right? This one's a little bit harder to get because we have, I talked to you about this a few weeks ago, we have the hardest time looking at ourselves. We have the hardest time seeing ourselves. It is a wise person who who is able to to see who they are. So what happens is is that we don't see that what we've done to others is really that big of a deal. But we see it as a huge deal, those those things that people have done to us. So therefore, most people are very, very reticent to not go to people who you've wronged. Oh, it's not that big a deal. They just got to get over it. Well, it's because you're blind to yourself. I never forget one time, not in this church. But I remember one time, not in this church. You got it All right. I remember one time I was obviously at another church, and a lady came up to me, and she said, "She said, Jeff, I need to talk to you." I said, "Okay, okay." And so we talked for a little bit, and she said, "Jeff, I'm just broken hearted." I said, oh, "Really?" She said, "I'm just broken hearted about 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 the gossip." that goes on in this, in this church. I said, I said, really? And I let her talk for a while, but the whole time I'm thinking to myself, you are the biggest gossip in this church. Do y'all know what I'm saying? She could see it in others, but she was blind to herself. It's the same way with forgiveness. We see, everyone sees, even prisoners see, That what's been done to them is a whole lot worse than anything I've ever done to anyone else. But I'm I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you this. People love to be around forgiving people and those who admit when they're wrong. And they love to stay away from those who are unforgiving or who never admit when they're wrong. That's why unforgiving people are usually, here we go, very lonely people. Very lonely. Lonely people, which causes all kinds of other struggles to come up in your life. That's why when you look at the steps, either the 12 steps or these eight beatitudes and you see the direction they go, it includes relationships because this area of your life is so important. We long to be needed, all right? We long to be loved, we just do. The person who says he doesn't has usually been hurt so many times that they've denied that they need anybody. It's just the way it works. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, strive as a believer, strive for peace with everyone, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, strive for it. That is work at it, right? And for the holiness, with, without, no, with, with, no one will see the Lord. See that see to it that no one see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no root of bitterness what is a root of bitterness a root of bitterness is unforgiveness that's been let go and it grows and when the roots get down deep boy it's major surgery getting them out of the ground that's what he's meaning by this right and this is the other, springs up and causes trouble, and look at this, and many are defiled. It's incredible how that cancer will spread to other people, right? Obviously, he said in Matthew 5, if you're offering a gift at the altar, this is cultural for the Jews of their time. He says, don't offer the gift to God. Go, go reconcile with your brother first, then come back and offer it. This is how God looks at it, you know? This is how God looks at it. So it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting when you think on the on the, on, the, on the particular thought of then, then obviously seeking forgiveness of those who have wronged. So, so let's just go through a couple of little things. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. So we're going to be on time. Life is good. All right, let me give you a couple of thoughts. So how do you do that? Let me give you some thoughts here because these are so important in what the scripture says. So how do I do that, Jeff? How do I seek forgiveness from others? Okay. Now listen to this. Number one is admit to it. Admit the harm you've caused. If you go to someone and say, hey, listen, if I offended you, don't even go. Right? If you took that wrong, don't even go. Right? Just, just, just don't go do it. Right? I don't know. There's something cathart- cathartic, if you will, about someone who will just admit they're wrong without blaming anyone else. Well, you know, I never would have if you hadn't. Just don't go. You cause more harm than you do good. You're not responsible for them. You're just responsible for you, right? And I've just found that sometimes the healthiest people are the ones who have the ability to admit when they're wrong. Therefore, when you want to make something right with someone, all you have to do is go, first step is just go and say, hey, listen, I was wrong. Don't offer an excuse. Don't blame them. Don't say, well, you shouldn't have been offended, but I'm sorry if you were. No. Hey, listen, I I am real, I was wrong. End of discussion. You know, if I look at Martha and say, you know, hon, I was wrong, end of argument. What else are you going to argue about? Now, was she totally right in it? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. But you understand what I'm saying? Guys, this, by the way, this is a whole lot easier to talk about than it is to do. Right? Oh, Jeff, you're up there talking like, no. Yeah. To say I have this mastered, that's a joke. I just want you to hear it. I want you to understand it. For all those who want to live godly in Christ Jesus, that's the thought. Is that the way you want? If that's not the way you want to live, then go do your plan. But if you want on his plan, then this is the direction, right? So admit it, you know? Admit it. Number two, go to the person in love. Right? Ephesians 4. Rather, speaking the truth in love we're to grow up in every way into him who is head into christ interesting huh so it needs to be with with a heart you can't go demand somebody forgive you because that's their christian duty that's called a bad attitude does that make sense to you well i thought you were a christian right i thought you were a christian right? you know you're supposed to forget that's it if you're gonna go just don't go Just don't go, right? But if you go humbly, I was wrong, and I just don't want this to mess you up, right? I'm sorry. Interesting, huh? So, going in love, going in love, right? Number uh, number three, make your fences short. Make your fences short. What does that mean? Well, the easiest time to deal with something is when it happens. Therefore, if you wrong someone or they've wronged you, if you'll take care of it immediately, it won't have the time to grow into a monster. Some of you in this room, you've been nursing unforgiveness in your life for years. And that thing has almost become part of you. And it's going to, have to be rooted out. But as you live in him, if you'll make it short, that is when somebody wrongs you or you wrong them, if you'll take care of it right then, that's when it's the easiest. It only gets harder after that. Does that make sense? Make it short. Make it short. Let me read you these. What'll happen? What are some of the results? Number one, results of forgiving others. You will begin to sense the reality of God's forgiveness for you. I'm not going to talk about these because if I do, it'll be much longer. And they're playing music behind me. (laughs) But you'll begin to sense the reality of God's family. Guys, that's something huge to see. Number two, relationships in your life will start to take off. Right? If you failed in those areas, this may be one of the reasons, great reasons why. They'll take off. Number three, life will look different for you. And then number four, one of the greatest ways for people in this world to know that you're a Christian is mercy and being a peacemaker. Forgiveness. Why? Because I don't know that anyone is more like Christ in this world than when they're forgiving because that's what Christ himself did, is it not? You want to be a light? We we're going to talk about that at Christmas time. Being a light for him. I'm telling him what? This right here, living free in this area, in relationships, people are going to want to know what your secret is because the world around us is bombing at relationships. Right? They're bombing at it. People are living isolated lives. Why? Because they bomb at relationships. They'd rather just text. They'd rather not have to see anybody. They'd rather just be totally isolated. Why? Because they stink at it. But if you're good at it, forgiveness and all those other things and marriage and your kids and everything, to me, it's one of the greatest ways to be a light. Just as we close. Again, it's just practical stuff. Guys, I have a passion. Literally, I can feel it in my heart to want people not just to be this cutesy little religious thing on the weekend, but understand the freedom you can live all week, just to taste, all you need is a taste, and I promise you'll be back. Of being able to live in the freedom. Galatians says it was for freedom, that Christ has set you free. Therefore, it's not just to be free, it's to live that way. Oh, I can just taste it for people, just wanting them to understand what that looks like. i will have a word of prayer and just turn it over to the band. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your love for us and forgiveness for us. God, open our eyes and let us see these things. God, because it's who you've called us to be and it's how you've called us to live. God, we give you the glory for it. Thank you most of all for Jesus and the cross that God makes it possible to have the strength to overcome. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.